Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Friday and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor. I'm Michelle Pachet and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. Today is March 25th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1 and that puts you into queue to talk with Michael. I encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to practice and strengthen your understanding of forgiveness. So let's welcome Michael in the process of learning some more. Good Friday. Thank you, young lady. Hey. Awesome day here in Orlando, Florida. A little cloudy. About 70, probably 4 degrees and pretty nice. Getting some playtime with family. In deep appreciation of that. And, of course, we're appreciative of the fact that everybody who chooses to join us each day that you do makes a grand contribution to this work by just becoming listening ears and building the brain cells for seeing how this energy system called life really, truly moves. And I understand that we have a caller already on hold. Michelle, is that correct? Um, Yes, you know, um, thanks for bringing that up, Michael. Rose um, got limited time here with her school schedule, so um, she let us know that she worked on that mind shifter last night that Jimmy suggested and wanted to share her results. Great. Let's go for it. Rose, welcome, young lady. Yes. Good good afternoon. Um, I did the mind shifter that um, you offered me yesterday, the one that said, I'm intuitively guided to always be aware of the true dynamic. Oh, no, I'm sorry, not that one. It was a different one. Sorry, sorry. Um, it was the one that says, I'm safe and healing, and I love it. Hmm. When people continually raise the bar after I've already fulfilled the requirements. And um, that was a very sensitive um, issue for me, even going into it. I actually um, went out and bought some cookies last night before I did it, and I hadn't planned to do that. But <laughs> Getting I, your drop I, fix right up front, eh? <laughs> trying to tell you, I had to get a shot of sugar. I couldn't. It felt like I couldn't do it without it. And I had previously been in the very same store to return wow. some to return cookies that I didn't want in my house anymore because I didn't want that temptation. And I ended up at 10.30 last night going to the store to get cookies. So it was um, really sensitive. (laughs) Um, So so now we've established that your addiction is sugar. So I'm going to challenge you next. I'm going to challenge you next to spend (laughs) the next 30 days and not have one speck of refined sugar. Oh, my goodness. You're really pushing me to the edge, Dr. Rice. Okay, I'll take no, it. No, I think you asked to be I think you asked to be pushed to the edge, didn't you? No, I want to work didn't. through this. You can't simultaneously. <laughs> well, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, if I remember yesterday, man, I really want to deal with this one. I want to find out what I'm contributing here. You can't oh. simultaneously find out what you're contributing to a situation and drug yourself oh. against feeling it. Okay, I got you. Okay, all right, all right. So I will take you know, the chance. 
Good for you. Um, Good for you. And when an emotion moves, when an emotion moves, an emotion is a warning that there is a disease process going on inside of us. What most people do when they don't want to feel their disease process, in fact, I could, I've thought about <clears throat> coining a new term that would be dismotion instead of emotion, dismotion. Oh. <clears throat> and then every time I'm feeling any form of hostility or fear, I'm feeling a dismotion, a disease moving in me. And when I don't want to feel, become aware of, or deal with that disease, what the culture has taught me to do and what I've bought into is I go find a way to drug myself, and, and, and that becomes an addiction. And we define addiction in this work as the compulsive, and that's pretty compulsive if you just referred the, returned the cookies a couple of days ago to go buy some more, the compulsive use of any person, place, substance, circumstance, activity, or event to keep from listening to my highest guidance and following it or to keep from feeling and dealing with what's happening inside of me. And so it sounds like you're going to, as you do this work or you already have touched into some really deep dismotion. And yeah. I encourage you, if you're really going to ever work through it, that you're going to have to do it clean and free of drugs. Okay. Hmm. Okay. I do have a question with regard to that. I, I drink a lot of herbal tea, and I use honey, so that means no honey either? You know, when you say off of the sugar. Well, if you've got an unrefined honey, that's certainly a lot better than sugar, but it metabolizes very much like sugar. And, you know, they've hmm. proven that sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Mm -hmm. more addictive than cocaine. So I would suggest that in order to keep drinking your tea, that's a great idea, herbal teas are wonderful, that you get to the health food store and you get some bottled stevia. There are several different uh, flavors of stevia drops that you can use. It only takes two or three, and it gives you the same kind of sweetness, and uh, it will eliminate the uh, load on the pancreas and allow your body to process sugar better, and it will actually support the pancreas in healing. So there, there are some stevias that leave an aftertaste that's not very pleasant, but if you get some of the bottled sweeteners, they're usually flavored. Like when we do an intensive, we don't put out any sugar, any honey, any maple syrup for teas. We have several different flavors of, um, of stevia drops. So we'll have a chocolate, a caramel, you know, a mint. There'll be several different flavors so that people can choose that. And the the stevia actually supports the pancreas in healing rather than puts an additional load on it, which refined sugar does. Well, thank you for that. I'll be going to the um, health food store to pick up some stevia instead of to the grocery store to pick up cookies. Then. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to share with you and perhaps get further insight, if you will, um, what the mind shift, what came up for me in the mind shifter. And that is, um, I got some very, initially some very subtle message that it's um, time for me to stand up um, for myself and stop running away. And, um, and, and, and in that message to stop allowing people to take advantage of um some of my weaknesses, and um, it, and I, I'll just share some of my past with you that connects with this, and that is I've always generally been told I have leadership qualities, and I have exercised them in different capacities at different times, but there's always been that kind of tendency on my part to not go fully into the leadership role. And these are like in student government and things of that nature. Um, There's always been that little pull uh, against, I'll say against me or against some part of me that has, um, you know, has always had that conflict where I'm concerned about, well, what would other people think if I do my part as a leader, um, 
you know, in a way that I think is most beneficial to all concerned. I've always had that what will think, and I know that I, I get some of that from my mom because she had that always as a concern, what are, always, what are other people going to think? And so um, I've, I've kind of grown up with that conflict of wanting to do Want things. Want a Yeah, that would be good. I'll write it down, mm-hmm, please. Okay, great. So people always deeply appreciate me mm-hmm. when I express myself fully and take on a leadership role. So people always deeply appreciate me uh-huh, when I fully express myself. Take, oh, uh huh. Express myself and take on a leadership role. On a leadership role, okay. And I noticed the breath I, stopped on that one. Oh, okay. Um. Well, I, I, I. Can I just give you one example that maybe will give some more insight into that conflict? I don't know if you, you know, maybe you don't need it, and I don't have to go into it if it's going to consume time. But I just, um, I thought it might highlight the, the conflict that I've kind of dealt with throughout my life. Um, and, and in one capacity, when I was a part of an organization, I, uh, you know, the the organization. A treasurer would hold the money in her house uh, for the organization, which, I mean, I I felt she was completely honest and trustworthy. It wasn't a question of um, not trusting the person, but I just felt that, you know, it it would be better for all concerned if that money was put in the bank and it was accessible to others in case something happened to her or fire or whatever. And I was really um, ambivalent about expressing that concern, and, and I did afterwards, but, you know, still not really comfortable. Again, caught up in that, what are people going to think? Are they going to think I think she's dishonest? You know, that kind of thing. So... Um, I've had a tendency to acquiesce sometimes in different situations, and and I've always had that kind of. I've been in situations where people look for me to be a taking a leadership role, and I don't want it. You know, I mean, I've had even bosses say, you know, I hired you because I thought you were going to be, you know, like dynamite in this, and you're not. You know, I, I wanted you to. To, you know, you're not doing what I, I saw in you, that kind of thing. And I'm kind of thinking that this boss situation might be connected with all of that because she's putting pressure on me constantly. And I'm thinking... You know, so it sounds like... Mm-hmm. It sounds like you hold a reality that something along the lines of people will reject me or it's not safe for me to tell the truth. So I do a mind shifter, a second mind shifter. And for those who are new to the show, a mind shifter is a tool we use in order to resonate and get things to surface. And so the way that you use a mind shifter is anybody who's listening to the show for the first time and this topic is, is your topic as well, then what you do is you take a piece of paper and you divide it down the middle. On the left-hand side of the page, you write the mind shifter. And on the right-hand side of the page, you just do a brain dump, right? Anything and everything that comes up, every thought you have, every sensation you have, things that don't seem to be related, doesn't matter. Just do a brain dump. And every time you run out of things to write, you write the mind shifter again. Write it again, write it again until something else pops. And what happens is because the mind works by the law of resonance, you get those brain cells firing that you usually keep hidden from yourself. And we know that you know, from a psychological point of view, the average person has uh, at least 90 to 95% of their psychological processes or mental processes are unconscious. And so this is a way to access unconscious dynamics. So the mind shifter that I'd, I'd put in there is that people always appreciate me when I tell the truth. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll work with that. And, um, okay. And I, I think I'd be, thank you, first of all, and I think I'm beginning to – well, I, I, I see a shift in the way that I'm looking at this situation with my current boss and the constant uh, constant upping of the bar um, of her expectations of me um, to the point where it's just 
stressful and unpleasant, and sometimes I feel resentful. Okay, so, so, so I'm going to stop you there for a minute, because mm-hmm. when we lie to ourselves, we can build all kinds of other beliefs on top of our lie. And I'd offer that whatever she does has never, can never, and will never cause you stress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know if you've got our videos, but you might want to watch the video, Getting the Stress You Need. The way okay. stress is created, and you can listen to most of the stress experts in the world, and they're never going to be able to tell you how stress is created. Here it is in a nutshell. It's very simple. All I have to do is set a goal, and I create a stress. Mm-hmm. Now, your boss cannot set a goal for you. She can frame mm-hmm. all kinds of goals for you. But you'll notice that when you talked about your stress and your turmoil around this, that your mind says it's the boss that causes this. And that's your mind's lie. Your boss can't cause those things. She can trigger those things in you, but you're the one who creates the goals that create the stresses. She can frame goals till the cows come home. If you don't set them, there's no stress. Mm -hmm. Now, there may be some other unconscious goals that you have, around your boss. And very likely, you know, boss oftentimes plays the role of the power person. So a goal you might have, and you might work on canceling uh, around the boss, is for her to approve of you, for her to appreciate you, mm-hmm. for her to see you as valuable in contributing. So you might mm-hmm. look at those topics as worksheets, and and as long as, and, and remember our definition of denial, when I think or speak, so something outside of me is the cause of something inside of me, I have to hide the cause of what's happening inside of me from myself. Mm-hmm. So when I say, yeah, well, when she does this, she just gives me all this, she creates all this stress, that's denial. And now the root of the stress you can't repair because you just dissociated yeah. from it. You just hid it from yourself. Mm-hmm. So in the presence of the boss, you want to start reviewing all the goals that your boss resonates for you. And it's probably all the goals that you've ever had from mom or dad or big brother or big sister, whoever the power persons in your life perhaps were. Maybe it was early relationships. Maybe it was a marriage partner, whatever, that you wanted them to approve of you, appreciate you, tell you how great you are, whatever the goals were. And that's where the stress comes from. And so each time you feel stressed by her, your mind is telling you you're stressed by her. She's giving you a gift. And what she's doing is she's showing, and you know, she may be a totally, completely angelic, fully realized spiritual being who's there just to show you how to heal these stresses you've been hiding from yourself. I don't know. She might be. Okay. Well, yes, and so I'd be looking at, I'd be looking at what is it that I want from her? What's my goal that I have for her? Approve of me, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where the stresses come from. When I cancel those goals, then I collapse the projection that comes from my denial. When I collapse the projection that comes from my denial, I get to drop right into the root of that turmoil and that stress. And that's when, in direct contact, I can remove it. Otherwise, as long as I think she's the cause of what's going on inside of me, I have to hide what's going on inside of me. And I can never change what I hide from myself. Right, right. You know, we see people in relationships, she made me mad, he hurt me, he upset me, she really bothers me. That's all a lie. That's all denial. And when I'm in denial... The literal result is I dissociate from or I hide, I hide from myself the cause of the pain or the turmoil that I'm in. And now that I've hidden it, I can't resolve it. So I seem even more powerless in that situation mm-hmm. until I start engaging in the first century Aramaic forgiveness process, process and drop into those parts of my mind and heal them. Then my boss can stand there, approve of me or disapprove of me, raise the bar through the roof, triple time, and I can stand there and go, hmm, that's interesting. I notice the boss is raising the bar really unrealistically and beyond all reasonable expectations. I think that she'd probably really approve of me if I spoke up and told her that that's what she's doing. 
Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you'll be confronting your power person dynamic that every time you spoke up to your power person, they probably puked on you. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to heal. That's the gift she's giving you to heal. I see. I uh, Thank you. I will say that I, I did a number of um, worksheets with Susan, who has helped me with this situation, uh, about right. canceling my goals of the principal's approval and appreciation and valuing me. So, I, I mean, I, I did a number of those worksheets. So do I just need to keep on doing it until maybe it gets to, a, you know, a root level of unconscious stuff that I'm holding maybe well when they ask the master teacher of forgiveness how many times do we have to do how many worksheets do we have to do around <laughs> this is seven enough and his answer in Aramaic was no 77 times 70 you'll do an infinite amount of work until you're complete with that issue and gotcha. you'll probably find as you drop into the root of it which very likely is a power person issue then you'll be doing some worksheets around your power person around those same issues Got you. Got you. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so very much. I appreciate that, and I will yield to other people who have other questions that uh, they would like to address with you. Thank you. All right, young lady. Delighted. Appreciate you, and uh, delighted to be on the team. And you might want to have some conversation with Susan about what uh, – what she did just a few weeks ago in cleaning out her cupboards, getting all the junk out of the house, and uh, making a commitment to only stock with things that were supportive. You know, if there's sugar in the closet, it's a whole lot easier um. to go get it. If it's not in the closet, you're not so likely, although you, you've proven you can still go get it. <laughs> but but you'll be less likely to be able, more likely to be able to resist the temptation of it. Because there's a, a big temptation, you know, when hurt starts to come up, when pain and turmoil starts to come up, you know, Drug of choice is is not an easy thing to stay away from. It takes really deep, deep committed work to clean that up, and it takes deep daily work. And people who aren't willing to do their work daily mm-hmm. usually aren't very successful at healing themselves. Okay. Well, thank you. And I, delighted. I, delighted. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for calling, Rose. Bye. Thank you, Michelle. Take care. Blessings. Bye-bye. All right. Good call. Good questions. Awesome. That's that's really wonderful, Rose. Thank you for that because you give people a taste of what process really looks like. And that to me is um, the, the most valuable aspect of this show is that people who perhaps haven't put their feet in the water yet get to taste and experience what it looks like and what it really feels like and and really, you know, get to know a little bit about the process. And that makes it so much easier to do. So, Michelle, we haven't talked to Dr. Tim yet. Let's say a quick hello to Dr. Tim and see how the young man is. He had a support group last night, I think. Yes, we did. Hey there, good sir. How'd it go? Well, let's see. What was that? Seems like a long time ago. Oh, yes. So many lifetimes since last night, right? Yeah. We did the second half of Healing Through Relationships, the uh, 2009 or 2010 version. Right. And um, it fed into discussions about what happened in the Tuesday group. Because in the Healing Through Relationships lecture you talk at length about the file folders in my mind that can get triggered by any kind of an outside event or interaction with somebody else. And then the content of those file folders is used by my mind to create a picture that my mind tells me is coming from outside of me. And in the dynamic, we had two people in the group last night, one was there on Tuesday and one wasn't. And so I stopped the video a couple times and talked about how the dynamic you were describing on the screen was a direct representation of what happened Tuesday night. Tuesday night I showed the first hour of Guy Finley's 
relationship magic lecture. And during the video, I stopped it at least four times, maybe more, because I just got so excited. I said, listen, do you hear? This is, he just said step six in the worksheet process. He just said exactly what Dr. Veldheim said last week. He just said what Michael Rice says in the Getting the Stress You Need lecture, et cetera, et cetera. And then we had our intermission, and I went and used the, the bathroom and came back, and I was just so excited. I mean, this was fabulous. I thought this was so right on. And I came back in the room, and there was a mutiny. <laughs> There were people who were angry at this. They were angry at that. They were that was completely inappropriate. He should have said this. He should not have said that. He's talking about sex. He's talking about gender, and I I just I said uh, in my own head I, I said did we watch the same video? So anyway, the process. <laughs> no, no, we didn't. The process was so well laid out in the diagram you were drawing in the lecture healing through relationships that it was a, a really good teaching moment for the people in the room that that's exactly what was happening and of course one person was there and was able to share they really liked the video and they were surprised at all the people that got triggered and of course the key message in the Healing Through Relationships video and what I was trying to bring up in the group on Tuesday was as soon as I realize I'm not feeling love and calm and peace and compassion, that's my alarm system going off. And what I should do when the alarm system goes off is stop completely in my tracks and breathe and refuse to focus on content and focus on the process and focus on my upset and dismantle my upset to restore myself to at least a reasonable ability to perceive accurately and then move forward. So it was two powerful groups this week. And um, again, I just feel blessed to be able to have access to such loving and intelligent and committed people to attend these groups. And that's my sharing for today. I think the other thing that's come up several times that, that I haven't shared on the, out loud on the show is the idea of, uh, I've shared it indirectly a few times, but it's the idea of how these tools can be available to a first-level initiate, to somebody who has never been exposed to this before. And they can get powerful results. They can simply back off of running to the store at 1030 to buy a box of cookies. They don't have to go and dump out all of the content of both bloodlines of generations for a thousand generations. They can simply build the skills on those lower, smaller, uh, upset incidences and prove to themselves, hey, you know what, this breathing thing works. Hey, you know what, this canceling the goal process works. Hey, you know what, if I go through an entire worksheet process, even if I don't get a big aha insight to something that happened when I was seven years old, I still feel better at the end of the worksheet, even though nothing outside of me has changed. And so that's something that's come to my mind. Um, I think when we were talking about when I was listening to you, and I said, oh, Mark, remember your marketing. You're going to scare people away talking about all the blood and guts and gore and depth of all the pain they have to go through. And I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, if I'm going to go to higher heights, I have to clean out the garbage at deeper depths. We've talked about that a number of times. And the vitality meter that you talked about in the Healing Through Relationships video is a very useful concept. And if my vitality is at a level three, I can feel overwhelmed by a little thing, a level two toxin or a level two discomfort or argument with a spouse or internal battle about whether or not to go eat a donut or a carrot. 
And these tools can help me at that level. These tools can help me wherever I am restore calm, restore awareness of my true nature as love, and raise my vitality so that I'm able to deal with whatever comes my way more effectively. So that's my offering for today. Awesome input, right on track. And, uh, you know, so, so then whenever a dismotion, a disease in motion is reflecting itself through hostility or fear in me, I can stop looking at the outside world, talking about the outside world, and try to figure out how to fix it out there, and I can step inside myself and deal with the dismotion, the disease in motion. Hostility and fear are simply diseases in motion inside the cells, and that's why the cells are yelling out in pain, and I can let go of my mind tricking me with a picture that shows me the causes outside of me, and I can go inside of me. Is that what I heard you saying in that early part of the conversation? I, if I was listening correctly, I believe that's what you said. Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Net result. Net result. Awesome. It is pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. Um, it just it just always amazes me when somebody in such seemingly unresolvable pain and turmoil, whether it's a level two or a level two hundred, doesn't matter gets the experience of resolving it right there on the spot. It's, uh, and no, it doesn't mean we're finished with it instantly, but it's most amazing to watch it happen. So we're delighted and honored for everybody that chooses to be part of the show and chooses to ask questions and engages in the tools, shares the tools with others. You know, the, the commitment, the work is about taking this to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And uh, we are here to, to extend these tools, to share these tools as far and as wide as possible. It's time for humanity to re- be restored to the truth of who it is, that newborn child. I was in, in a restaurant yesterday. We were having lunch, and uh, the owner of the restaurant was sitting with us. We were having a bit of a conversation. Things weren't busy. And he's trying to get this concept of you know living is love. And so I asked him the question, well, have you ever held a newborn? And he thought for a minute and he said, yes. And I said, well, if you went back and you tapped into the essence of that newborn, what would it be? And he formed his hands as though he was actually holding a newborn. And a grin came across his face and the words that came out of his mouth were, my God. And was like, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's how we're designed to live has that sweet, awesome, active presence of love. And, you know, he didn't have to say any more. That was it. It's like, now, recognize that you started out that way, sir. Here you who are in your probably, you know, late 60s and uh, going through some trauma and turmoil in your life, that's who you are. Somebody held you as a newborn and went, oh, my God, what a sweet presence. And the world has taught us to give up that presence and blame everybody else for it. This work is about recouping and recovering that presence and taking responsibility for everything that I feel. And so our call-in number, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you on our control panel, if you're in the chat room and you'd like to talk with us, 646-200-4169 is the number if you push 1. Michelle will see this magic little hand go up in her control panel, and she'll know that you want to talk to us, and she'll introduce you by your area code, and we'll invite you to give us a name and tell us where you're calling from. And, you know, if you want to stay anonymous, call yourself Charlie or Bill or Hortense. doesn't matter. Michelle, do we have anybody with a hand up? Anything happening in the chat room to be aware of? Uh, Michael, the chat room is quiet, and... um... Thank you for that little story. I um, resonated a tear in the eye. It's it's really easy to get in that space, so thanks. And we've got Captain on the phone waiting to share an update, and we'll um, turn his microphone on. Hello, how are you? Hey there, Captain. Captain. How do you be, sir? Yes, I'm here. Sorry, I had you on mute. Hey. Hey, All right, welcome. I've I've been mute challenged before myself. (laughs) 
I just want to address Michelle's question from yesterday about the punishment and the torture. Yeah. And I, I what don't I remember have disco- I the word torture there, but okay. What I have discovered in my own personal processing and, and unraveling of what's going on that you accuse your best friend of something they never they they have never done. So you do that enough times and they start to push you away. When they start yep. to push you away, it, it starts a cycle in my brain that I have learned to overcome through the processing that, that we have been I have been so blessed to be introduced to. So now I get I start getting pushed away. So my brain tells me, Okay, now I'm being tortured and punished. Now, now I have a right and a reason to abandon. So once or I torture the and cycle, punish. Huh? Or to, and torture, or torture not only, and punish. And not yeah. not yeah. only abandoned, but and torture and punish. Right, there you go. To retaliate. Not only to abandon, yep. now I'm going to abandon you, but while I'm abandoning you, I'm going to, I'm going to torture you and I'm going to punish you on the way out the door for the next six years if so, I can. So, Captain, let me ask a question. Yes. Yes. How did it feel when your power person tortured and punished you? Oh, it was absolutely terrible. It was absolutely so, terrible. Do you suppose do you suppose that when that comes up and you feel justified in doing it that it feels any better for that person that you're doing it to? Oh, it's probably even worse because I'm such a uh, an expert at doing it that yeah. that I mean it's so, like being so a, a torturer that's been trained. Yeah, so how far do you wait do you suppose they want to run? Oh, Forever and ever and ever and ever, and I'm so and I for, I personally feel so blessed that this person is even still talking to me and saying that, she loves, that she's holding me in a loving, caring space, and that she's willing to let me prove to her that I have dealt with these issues. I mean, when you've awesome. done it so many times, when you've done it so many times, you know, I mean, she's just waiting for the next time, I'm sure. So I've got to prove that these issues have been dealt with and processed and are gone. That I am. I love so here's, So here's what I'd do. I would do a wake-up sheet on those issues being gone. Because here's what I know. They're not gone. They're there. You don't have a lifetime. Every time they come up. You, exactly. You don't, you, don't, you don't get done with that kind of intensity. And, and it doesn't happen at that level in one generation. You're dealing with a genetic propensity. So rather than, and I cancel my need to prove it, because then you're going to create another whole level of stresses. And remember, the thing that causes us to turn to the power person dynamic of doing what we hated most that our power person did to us is our stress is up. And so if I set the goal to be perfect and prove this is taken care of, I just created another level of stress. I just took one more step toward doing that again. So my invitation to you would be that instead of proclaiming it's done and being finished with it would be to own that you realize it's not done and that there are more layers and levels to it and that you're willing to create a dynamic and a way of interacting that when it starts to come up, you are able to, you know, give some sort of a signal to take a time out and that you're willing to be supported in healing it. You're willing to take responsibility for it. Because I'll tell you what, 10 years from now, that dynamic is still going to be coming up in you. Unless I do you still get, feel that dynamic you know, coming up. I do. I feel it coming up, yeah. but I, I, I try to process it much quicker and, and say, oh, wait a second, this is all the lies that I've been told all my life. I've been exactly, telling myself. Exactly. So the direction to go that I think would be less stressful for you because there will be less goals to try to achieve that are unachievable, like proving that it's already done, that's, that's an unachievable goal. That's going to create stress, would be to step into ownership and a commitment to use the tools. And then here's where you can achieve a goal. Then prove your willingness to use the tools when that happens. Prove your willingness to be held accountable. And if, if, you know, and, and, and create a signal, gee, you know, I'm feeling, you know, and the signal might be for her, my fear's coming up to a new level. I don't know whether it's yours or mine that's creating the stress exactly, whether you're the trigger or it's just happening in me, but let's step into, and that's, remember the last paragraph of the commitment. If anything, you know, if you live the first two paragraphs of the commitment, all hell's going to break loose. 
And then the third paragraph is, if anything less than love comes up, here's my new behavior. And, and you can go back and look at your, uh, your commitment your, your, in the uh, when I heal process. If anything less than love comes up, I'll hold this in my heart and listen as we each learn to speak, experience, and be responsible for our own reality. So instead of accusing and telling her what's wrong with her, oh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to be responsible. Gee, my listening right now, here's accusation. Oh, yeah, man, that's been an issue all my life. I knew the issue of being accused long before I met you, so I'm going to drop accusing you and heal the pain that's beneath the defense mechanism of accusing. Because guess what? Your power person used accusation in order to protect against their pain because they didn't know how else to do it. You've got the tools and you know how else to do it. That becomes a doable process. And that doesn't mean you're not going to slip, but if you slip, then I'm going to take it to the next level of commitment to keep cleaning it up, cleaning it up. And what will happen is it will become less and less and less and less of uh, an intrusion on your relationship and in your mind. Okay. Thank you. That was very thanks for Thanks for bringing Honestly. that up, Michelle. Yeah. Because I never would have addressed it if Michelle hadn't brought that up. Well, you're thank welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing, you nothing know, like I, a little help from our friends. Go for it, Michelle. There's not, is there? Because it seems like it's um, a different issue, though, like related to, did you hear Michael clarify it some more yesterday about when to provide the feedback to your partner or where it's not really appropriately, you know, it won't be well received? Because the original thing was you mentioned torture, and I was kind of tickled because, like, I never said torture. I said, you know, like whether or not she was, setting a healthy boundary or punishing and then, you know, kind of encouraging a reflection to go within to see really what's there. But, you know, I know Michael um, made a great point. Like, you know, sometimes it's, you know, doesn't really further the healing. Thank you. You brought, you brought some reflection out of me. That's for sure. Yeah, I know that's great. It's great. You know the when um, I spent a, a year in prison with Rex, <laughs> let's put it like that because that's the truth. You know, um, he uh, he repeated. It does so feel often. like being in prison. It does feel well, like being yeah. in prison well, when your mind's that, telling that, you all these lies. That's why I was having my own um, irony moment, <laughs> uh, but. If you're talking about someone else, you're in denial. I mean, it's just that simple, and it's easy to remember, and it, it, it pulled me out of my victimhood and back into the game of taking responsibility for what's going on, regardless of how uncomfortable it may be. And I say it like I'm, you know, great at it. All I know is that I am aware of it, and if I am aware of it, at least I have a choice to practice or not. Yeah, we're all getting better at it. All getting better. And, you know, it's, it's a, um, when we've been brought up to believe that our minds are seeing what's happening outside of us and always telling us the truth about it, it's tough at first when it, this motion starts to move, when a disease energy starts to move in me, to believe that my mind's lying to me, that I need to be distrusting it. And to recognize that literally... Every time that there's been a dismotion, a dis-ease in motion, usually called emotion, based in hostility or fear moving in me, every time, whatever picture my mind has been showing me is a lie. That's tough to get when we've lived our whole lives believing what our minds have told us. And most of the world believes what their minds tell them. And they think they're actually looking outside themselves at what's happening in the world. And we're never looking outside through our eyes at what's happening in the world. We're always looking at a construct in our minds that tells us more about what's moving in us. I don't know where the noise is coming from, but if we can mute something. we got some strange noises there. So whenever hostility or fear is moving in me, my the firing of brain cells in me is painting a picture on the inside of my eyeballs that I think is outside of me. 
And those pictures come from my content. So they always tell me more about my content than the world that I think I'm looking at. That's a huge lesson to get. That's a big piece of information. But it changes lives like in a fraction of a second. It's pretty awesome. Captain, um, when I met you in Florida Intensive, wasn't that really your your kind of um, first real engagement with the work? No, our first real uh, yeah, that was my first real engagement was in Hollywood the week before. Okay, so um, I just want to encourage you to know that your um, kind of like transition from the old paradigm to the new. Um, it's coming to a point, maybe at least for me, when I when I was where you're at, and now I'm here three years later of doing the work. That like there became this dark night of the soul period where I had one foot in both worlds because I came back and I started practicing the tools, uh, but then you know I've got five teenagers that I live with and you know a caseload of um, clients who are all um, living in a different paradigm. And so it felt like small and helpless trying to, probably like how baby goes, trying to shine your love light on the world and, and, and make a difference and influence and resonate their love. But they're, but they're um, still asleep. And, so they're, and you just you know, know that they're going to be so appreciative and love everything you've got to share with them, right? No, no, there's a, there's a point, Michael, I gave up. It's like, oh, my gosh, if you can't beat them, join them, and then you start drinking the Kool-Aid again. And I so understand. And so that's the part where you're, like, you, you know, having been through some of that stuff, like, you know, I looked at all my psychology books, like, anger management. Well, who would want to manage their anger? How about, like, heal it? Why do we want to, like, you know, cope with it? Like, so things didn't make sense anymore. All these you know, um, solid beliefs, my foundation for understanding the paradigm of the world and what you know, what makes it move? Well, obviously, American Psychological Association was supposed to be, like, you know, the cutting edge, best practice, doesn't know shit. The biggest thing I have seen since I started practicing this a couple months ago is there are actually people who have known me that seem that I have, I've always had this little bit of being different, and probably was it probably was the rage and the, the abandonment and distance from people and just not really wanting to get engaged with anybody. And I've, I've had several people ask me, what are you doing? Because you just seem so at peace and you, you're, you're seeming, you're seeming different. We don't know what it is, but you're different. So what is it you're doing? And I tell them, I tell them about some of the tools. I try not to tell them about all the tools. I let them digest a little bit at a time. But yes, I, I do feel like I'm living one foot in, in, in one world and one foot in the other world. The one world that, that I'm processing and, and learning to deal with the stuff and the other foot in the world that the stuff still keeps coming up and keeps coming up and keeps coming up. Faster than you can process it, probably at times. Do what? Or it feels, or it feels like it's too much to, like, wait a second, like, I don't know what should you do with first because they all got something to heal. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, also, you got, it's when, it, when it does come up, it's like, man, how, what, do I, what do I go with this? I got ten things hitting me. Which one do I deal with first? All of the above. All of the above. One at a time. And and it can be good to remember that everybody who asks you what you're doing doesn't really want to know. Some people okay. want to find a way to get you back to the old you that they knew and could resonate with. You know, over the years... I've seen four things happen in relationships where somebody starts doing their work. The first thing that happens is a person you have a relationship with says, wow, that's awesome. I want some. That looks so good on you, man. I want to taste that. The second dynamic that I've seen is, you know, that's pretty cool. I can see that's making a beautiful difference in your life. Congratulations. I support you. I'm not interested, but I support you. The third thing I've seen happen over the years is that a person says, 
what the heck are you doing? I can't control you anymore. You won't play my hostility and fear game anymore. I'm going to crank up the heat so high that you'll have to get back into the game with me. That's the third response. And the fourth response is, you've changed literally your frequency so much, there's no resonance left, and there's no attraction anymore, and they leave. They're the four things that I've seen happen over the years. Because you are literally, I mean, when you recognize and you start to see your whole life and the whole world through the dynamics of energy, the only thing that works in energy systems is resonance. And so if I change my frequency so much that this person cannot resonate, can't even relate to me, unless there's a willingness to engage in the tools and move up to a new level, that person's just like, you know, there's no resonance left. I, I don't get any energy with you or from you anymore. I don't feel that simpatico, that sympathetic resonance or energy exchange. I remember we had a, a young lady who uh, she did her first intensive. She was, uh, she was in a school in Dayton, Ohio. She was in grade nine, and she had a job, and she registered for and came to an intensive. And it was just, it was in 1988, and I was just in the process of uh, purchasing Heartland. And I had put out an invitation to people who wanted to come and be on the support team for the first year or two to, uh, to get the property in shape and to get Heartland going. And this girl went to her parents and said, Mom and Dad, I'm going to move to Missouri. I'm going to move to Heartland. Her parents were not overly happy with me. And I said, wait a minute. You deal with your daughter. I, I didn't say, ah, yes or no. I put her an invitation, and she responded to it. And if you don't want her to go, that's between you and she. Well, her parents finally, you know, went along with her, and she came to Heartland. She actually lived at Heartland for about three years. When she came to Heartland, this, this woman who was a grade nine or young girl had never eaten a carrot. Her family's meals were McDonald's. Coke and M&M's. That was their food routine. She came to Heartland and she started to eat actual food. She spent three years there and after three years she went into college as a mature student, got her degree and ended up marrying the dean of the college and creating a very successful computer business. She kind of retired. They sold the computer business. They actually went into uh, movie production and for the first time uh, she had some time on her hands and some money, and so she went to see her friends who she hadn't been back to see since grade nine. So this is, oh, I don't know, four, seven, maybe eight, nine, ten years later. And she wrote me a letter, and she said, Michael, I just want to thank you for the fact that I have a life. And she explained to me that she'd gone back to see her friends from high school, and she had just assumed that they'd all progressed in their lives and moved forward and were doing things. Like, you know, she said, I'm now a vegetarian chef. I create awesome food. I grow an organic garden. I know what food is. And I don't, I wouldn't put a Coke to my lips and I wouldn't eat M&Ms. <laughs> and certainly will never darken the door of McDonald's ever again. And she's like, I went back to my friends and I figured, you know, I just kind of figured they'd done similar things. And she said, they're still back there smoking pot, doing Coke and M&M's. And it was really nice to see them. You know, they were dear friends at that point. But she said, you know, I realized that I've changed so much. As dear as it was to see them, there was nothing that we had in common. There was no resonance left. And I was able to spend a bit of time with them and say hi and bye. And, you know, realized there was just no energy to exchange between us anymore. They lived in one world, the Coke and M&M's world and McDonald's world, and she lived in the gourmet vegetarian chef, grow your own food and make a difference in the world. So, you know, not everybody who says, what are you doing, wants to know in order to engage. And so sometimes, and Yeshua said it like this, he said, don't cast your pearl before swine. And, and he wasn't saying, you know, condemn anybody as swine, just recognize that if you're functioning on one level and somebody's functioning on another, be the space for them. Stand in the connection to love. But be careful because when you bring truth forward to people, 
who are in blockage of truth, their stress goes up. And when their stress goes up, people get crazy. They just do crazy stuff. So sometimes it's good to just be aware this person's asking, but, you know, they're not really asking for constructive purposes. That can just be useful to know. Yeah, I, I, probably, I probably should add to that what you just said, Michael, that I have lived such a reclusive, secluded life for so long that I probably have five people on my hand. I can probably count five people that I really truly say are even people that I'm willing to go out and do things with. And the only people I would confide with, I would never do anything like this on a radio show where everybody could hear my garbage. Because if I didn't pay a psychologist or a lawyer to hear my issues, you weren't hearing them. So. Right. I understand. Thank you. Thank you for uh, teaching. All right. Delighted. Well, is there anything else we can do to support you today? We're down to just the last couple of minutes. It's been a fast hour. No, sir. Life is beautiful. All right. Well, we're glad to be on the team and look forward to the next time we get face-to-face, sir. Thank you. All right. Love and blessings. Take care. So, Michelle, we're down to about three and a half or four minutes. We've got time for one more caller. Is there anybody there with a hand up? Yeah, let's do a quick hello to 864. 864, you're on the air. Give us a name. Where are you calling from? Oh, yes. My name is Marianne Wise. I'm calling from... Why, young lady? Yeah. um, I am calling to say I love and appreciate you and the team, and it's uh, just fabulous to celebrate my birthday today. I'm now entering the decade of the 70s, and I feel so much gratitude for what I've learned from you. Happy Eternal Day. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just wanted to just kind of talk about how my vitality is so, um, I just feel so in tune with my real self most of the time. And it's because of what I've learned from you and everyone else in the community and, and in life in general. So I'm just, just wanting to say it's a great, great day to be alive. Well, I hear you loud and clear. I'll tell you what this is. It'd be, I think, it'd be a, a good, um, a good story to tell everybody if you can do it in a minute or less, and, may, and, and maybe just share your first intensive about what's that, uh, twenty three, twenty four years ago, when you first uh, came to the, the Heartland. Your first time. Yeah, when you were talking about the young uh, woman a minute ago, I, I met her, so right. it had to be at eighty nine that I found uh, the the Y workshop and I went to it. I sat in the back of the room and I just had the thought, oh, I'll just stay for a few minutes. And it was midnight before I left. But when I did get the invitation to come to Heartland, it was actually, it was just a frequency that was so unique and new. I, I reached into the mailbox and it was like, it was, it was calling me. So when I showed up at Heartland, the story is that my uh, leaving issue, my leaving issue came up, and you told me to leave my leaving issue behind, and that's the story. I remember. In a <laughs> that's in a nutshell. You were out of there, weren't you? <laughs> uh, with the T-shirt. Oh uh, well. Yeah. But well, you know. Go ahead. Healing that leaving issue is such a huge piece of work on the planet, for sure. So we're glad you're on the team doing it. Thank you. And uh, I just want to say quickly that because of learning these tools, I've been able to share them. And the uh, people that I seem to attract are usually young women in the throes of a crisis. And um, every time I have the opportunity to help somebody, it's just it life just gets better and better. I hear you loud and clear. Well, I, I hold the space that one of these days, sooner rather than later, you're going to schedule your first Laws of Living class and get things to uh, the next level, first, which you've my, been talking about for decades. Well, my first class was with uh, names and they were the ones that invited me to hear you when you came to Freedom School to speak. So I've taught my right. first class. Believe me. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, blessings and love. We're down to the last few seconds. I'm just going to say, everybody, thanks for joining us and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to MindShifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. 